PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are going to be bringing you weekly sermons and our midweek services, as well as podcasts and interviews that we think are going to empower and enrich your life. When you're done listening, feel free to share with someone else, because you never know what impact the word may make. Be blessed. Can you believe this year is almost over? It's amazing. Hallelujah. Uh, but we're here, and we're thankful that we are here. I want to go to the word of the Lord, um, and then I'll give you my, my topic for the day. Bless the name of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the twelfth verse, is where we will begin today. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the twelfth verse. I want us to bring, God wants to bring some clarity to us and to make sure we are focusing on the right things. Uh, I just believe that there is, um, there used to be a time when um, the enemy used complacency as um, one of his deceptions to people, caused us to be lazy and complacent, uh, ineffective and unproductive. And in that state, there's no way that you're ever going to really accomplish much being lazy and being complacent. Well, many of us, uh, we are far from being complacent and lazy. Now he is um, attacking us through overwork. Now now we're too busy. <laughs> We've gone from not busy at all to being now obsessed and overworked and and now we're actually afraid to rest and to, and to actually have, find that place of peace in God. Enemy's funny, boy. He, you know, you know he, he, he'll go take you from one extreme to the next. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, somebody says, well, how much should I work? How much shouldn't I work? I, you know, I, I don't have that, 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 that uh, ruler for you. I, I believe that, you know, you should work or not work based on your relationship with God. You, where once it begin, once you lose your peace in something, you lose everything anyway. So you know we you know we want to make sure whatever we do, we maintain the peace of God. That we main remain our sanity, our that we are not uh, that we don't allow anxieties and fear to overtake us. And then sometimes, even in our pursuit to be successful, we can put ourselves in a danger zone, become excessive, and and the flesh is, you know, I don't know about you, but it's it's that old commercial that we watched. Uh, you, know, you can't just eat one chip or one Dorito or whatever that commercial was. The next scene of that commercial, the whole bag is gone. It, it's the flesh is never satisfied, and so it takes a relationship with God. It takes uh, I don't know about you, but it, it takes the ability to say no to yourself at times, you know. And uh, Scripture tells us to be content in the state that we're in. And that contentment, it does not come with, contentment doesn't, is not based on money because people have money and they still have issues. I've I've been content, but there's a, you talk to someone else and they have no money, but yet they're as peaceful as they can be. You see, and so it's important in this season that we understand how important the peace of God is, 
on our lives. And I'm going to jump into this message today. I'm going to read this scripture for you, and I'll give you the topic, and hopefully out of it you will hear something that will encourage your life and even transform it to help you make better decisions on your daily walk with God. Um, I'm going to say this to you. In this season that we're entering into, um, we're going to have to toughen up a little bit. Have to toughen up. This this season is going to be um, one that you're going to have to endure, and you're going to have to be a good soldier in Zion. The Bible says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood." Ephesians six twelve verse, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 18th verse complete. The church said amen. I want to preach this morning uh, about a position that God wants us to be. He wants us to be battle ready. Somebody say battle ready. B-A-T-T-L-E, battle ready. He wants us to be battle ready ready. Uh, you may not have a fight right now. You might not have a challenge right now. Amen. But he wants us to be ready. I, I, I want to share with the church, no matter how much prosperity and how much favor and how much destiny and how much purpose you have, you also have an enemy. You also have a devil that does not want you to win. No matter how wonderful and how grace, how much grace you have on your life, there is always going to be an adversary. And please, my brothers and sisters, never for a moment think that he is on vacation. <laughs> it's interesting as we go into this particular topic, God says, I said, you know, I was like, do you want to say, he said, battle tried? No, he didn't say, I didn't say battle tried. I didn't say, ready to fight the battle? He said, no. He said, I, said, I want them to make sure they're battle ready. Is there, is there a fight coming? I'm not saying there's a fight coming, but, you know, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that something is going to happen. To be in a battle, the battle, to define the word battle is a hostile encounter or an engagement between opposing military forces. Uh, participation in such a hostile encounters or engagement. Uh, uh, we have a fight between two persons or animals, a battle, a conflict, any conflict or struggle. 
The enemy loves to present himself as though it's safe, that there's nothing going to happen. We find solace at times in our stuff, our jobs, our financial statements, our health, our relationships. We find some sense of peace and safety in those things, our homes and the things that we have. But the enemy don't care about any of that. He is still after our soul. He still wants our soul. And, you know, why is the enemy so mad at you? Because Jesus saved us. He he died for us, and when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you become engrafted in. That means you become part of a fight. Have you ever had, you know, a person in school when you're coming up and, you know, one of your friends fall out with somebody else, and then you're associated with the person, and now all of a sudden that person they fell out with don't like you because you're associated with them, <laughs> you know, and now you're fighting somebody that you ain't got no grief with, but because you're associated with somebody that has a problem with them, you fighting a fight for somebody else. It's important that you must understand that the devil don't like God. He don't like Jesus. He doesn't like the church. He understand we are the replacements of Satan on the earth. Mankind. He doesn't like mankind. So it doesn't matter if you're saved or not saved. He don't like you. You can pledge allegiance to Satan if you want to. His goal is still to kill you because you represent his enemy. It's interesting. God wants us to be battle-ready. It's important that we be battle-ready. I said this in my notes. I said, whenever your God is blessing you, changing your life, opening heaven for your sakes, destiny is manifesting, family's good, job's good, career's good, wealth's good. When these things are happening, you must not be ignorant that the devil is not out for you. Many put their guards down when the lights turn on in their lives. When life says it's your turn to succeed, we become lax in our consecration. We get consumed in the blessing itself. We lower our standards and convictions that protect us when trouble was evident. It's interesting when we're in trouble or we're being challenged or we're in a fight, we live better. We're more disciplined. We're more consecrated. We're more focused when we're going through something. And that's not what God's telling. He's like, when you come out of it and when the lights turn on and when everything is happening and the blessing is, blessing is overtaking you, he says, do not become lax. Do not allow this freedom and this liberty and this joy to now get you to forget that there's still an enemy that desires to sift you as weeds. Oh, yes, he's, he's, he's still here. We lowered standards and convictions that protect us when trouble was evident. Now that it appears to be safe and the coast is clear, we pull back and relax. Wish I could tell you this is okay, but I can't. The enemy, the devil, is laying in wait for an opportunity to lunge at you. Huh. Vacationing saints, one who has taken off the armor of God for a thong and a happy meal. I have been sent to remind the church that we all must be battle-ready at all times. Oh, my. We sit here now. We go to Luke, the fourth chapter. Let's go there quickly. Luke, the fourth chapter, and I'll read a couple of scriptures, and we see an example of Jesus Christ and how he handled and how he was prepared for the coming battle that he would have to deal with. It's interesting in this Bible, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit 
took him. You can go to Luke 4 and get there, but I'm just giving you some background. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit took Jesus into the desert, put him in a place of preparation, put him in a place to prepare for the battle that was ensuing that was definitely going to come in his life. I love God because he will prepare you for battle. For 40 days and for 40 nights, he hungered. He ate nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. And then at the end of the 40 days, Satan comes. The Bible says here in Luke, the fourth chapter, the third verse, and the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Isn't that interesting? He, he challenges him. He tempts him for bread after a man hasn't eaten for 40 days. It's interesting when you're, going through and being challenged, how Satan will challenge you with the very thing you've been missing. Hmm. He's been missing bread. He hasn't had bread for 40 days. And the devil says unto him, if thou be, if, you got, let's not jump to the bread. If thou be the son of God. It's interesting when he's fasting and praying in preparation, the first attack the enemy does is he challenges your identity. Are you a man or are you a woman? Are you a saint? Are you a sinner? Are you delivered? Are you still bound? Amen. I got questions about you. The insecurity of your identity is the first thing he attacks when he comes for you. He gets you to be insecure. Are you called or not called? Are you supposed to be pastoring? Are you supposed to be singing? Are you supposed to be a father or a mother? Are you this? Are you that? Challenging your identity is one of the first attacks the enemy does. If you are the son of God, prove it. And here's the part you got to understand. With that attack always comes with the ego. In other words, if you are what you say you are, you're going to have to prove it to me. And how many times have we gotten ourselves in trouble because we've allowed the enemy to tempt us to prove it something that we already are? I don't have to prove anything to you. I don't have to turn any stone into bread to prove who I am. That stone or that bread doesn't determine who I am. You've got to know who you are. We're in a season right now where you have to know who you are and whose you are. Well, I don't feel saved. I ain't got nothing to do with you being saved. It's like me being born into the bull family and saying, well, today I don't feel like I'm a bull. It doesn't matter if I feel it or not. I'm still going to be a bull. Feelings can't have that much influence in this next season of warfare. Say that with me. Feelings cannot have that much influence in the next season of warfare. Say it again. Feelings cannot have that much influence in my next season of warfare. Your feelings will always lead you astray. The enemy is going to use your feelings because he can't use your anointing to distract you. The devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, if thou be. He knew who he was. And let me say this to you, church. The devil knows who you are too. That's why he's coming for you. Hmm. The Bible says, command the stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It's written. I love this about Jesus. He did not defend himself or his identity. He just declared and decreed what the word of God said. Somebody said that takes maturity. This is something human about ourselves to defend ourselves. 
But when you're under attack in this next season, you have to understand that only the word is going to push your enemy back. The next part says, once he overcame him with that temptation, the Bible says, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain, shrewd unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt what? Worship me. All shall be thine. So now Satan wants Jesus. He's, he's trying to tempt him with all this, all this power, all these kingdoms, all of this authority. Jesus already has it. It's amazing how the enemy tempts you with stuff you already have. Come on now. We, we already got, we already, I, the last I read in my Bible, mankind has dominion on the earth. So what can, in, what can Satan tempt you with that you don't already have authority over? He's always trying to give back something that you already got, already have. Interesting. But here's his goal. Satan's goal is to get you because he wants to be God. He wants you to worship him. I'll give you all of this. All I want in exchange is for you to bow down to me. And what's that say to me? No matter what I go through, no matter what challenge I have to deal with, never bow to your enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't bow. We don't bow to our enemies. We know that from reading the, we, the whole armor of God. The armor of God completely fits us out. But he doesn't, give any, he doesn't give us anything to protect our back because we're never intended to retreat. He gives you helmet, he gives you breastplate, he gives, he gives you all this part in the front, but on the back, there's no armor because we are never to turn around. We are never to run. We're never to, we're never to surrender, y'all. We are the fighting believers in the earth. Amen? Amen. That's right. All right, I'm just going to teach through this for a minute. You got to get this. Mm -hmm. It says here in the second part, let me finish it up. It says, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Look, y'all, we're only accountable to the Lord. All you got to do is be faithful to God. All you got to do is give your heart to the Lord. Amen? That's all we got to do. Amen? Uh, don't allow the enemy to think that your prosperity, your blessing, or your breakthrough is associated with something he can give you. How many people have signed the contract with the devil to be famous when they were already lined up through destiny to be famous already? I mean, people have signed contracts with Satan in their blood that they could be wealthy or they could be rich. Uh, and their, their, their time, now they have to give, they sell their soul to the devil because they didn't believe God had something greater already in store for them. Don't, 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 don't fall for this. The last part here, the, the third temptation that the enemy came against Jesus, he said, the Bible says in the Luke 4 and 9, um, 4 and 9, it says, and he brought him to Jerusalem set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, now, now the devil quoting scripture, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, 
and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Look, y'all, we, we understand. He's like, look, you know, throw yourself. Go ahead. Look, the devil knows I can't kill you, so I'm going to get you to kill yourself and convince you that God's going to save you if you go ahead and throw yourself over and say, no, that's not how it works. We don't tempt God. I mean, we don't tempt God, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to tempt God. In other words, sometimes I don't know about you, but be like, you know, God, if I don't get free of this thing, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Like, really? I say, we ain't going to do nothing. Don't allow the pressures of life to make you think that you're going to manipulate God like you're being manipulated yourself. We wrestle not, y'all, against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Say that with me three or four times. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Say it again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are demonic, evil spirits, principalities, powers, elements of darkness that are after your life because you have been designed and made to win and beat them on every every hand. You are a divine element in the earth that God has raised up to beat the kingdom of darkness and they do not like you and there's never going to be a day you can agree with them. There's never going to be a day they're not going to try to take you out and you and I must be battle ready. They don't just want us, they want our children. And they want our children's children. And they want to destroy our bloodline. They want to infect us. They want to pollute us. They want to entangle us so that we can now, amen, bring shame to the kingdom of God instead of glory to the kingdom of God. Somebody say, I got to be battle ready. I got to be battle ready. Oh, my God. Keep on going. 2 Corinthians 10 says in the first verse, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, whose presence I'm based among you, but being absent and bold towards you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Woo! My God, he says it again, y'all. He says it very clear. We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Look, our attitude doesn't work. Our emotion doesn't work against the enemy. Our money doesn't work. Our positions, our power, our stature, our flesh, it doesn't work. But one thing that will work against our enemy is our spiritual gifts and power in faith. And we must understand when we come against Satan, we can't think that we're going to just say something in our flesh and he's going to repel. No, he is only going to respond because he's spirit. He's only going to respond to spirit. 
So we must walk in the spirit so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We must understand that our emotion, our pity, our lust, our anger, our wrath, those things will not move Satan. But the power of prayer, the declaration of prophetic words, the word of God, the consecrated life will push back your enemy. And you've got to understand how to fight. We got to be battle ready, y'all. We got to be ready for battle. We got to be ready for battle. Just because you come to church every Sunday don't mean you're ready for battle. It helps, but it ain't make sure you, 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 you got to be ready for battle. The government, our government spends billions of dollars a year in making sure that we have the most advanced weaponry man, that mankind knows about. We have stockpiles of armor and bullets and bombs and stuff that's probably been sitting in stockpiles for the last 40, 50 years since we ain't really had, no, we had some wars, but there's been stuff they've been producing every year in the anticipation of use. They build trillion dollar uh we got billion-dollar planes. We got cargo ships. We got bombers. We got missiles. We got all kinds of defenses. We have whole. We have bases that are manned with thousands of people just so they can be ready if something steps off. Most of our tax money goes in the readiness of protecting our country. Am I telling the truth, somebody? Every year, they're passing another law to increase the budget of the military. That's one thing they will not cut, because what good is all of this wealth if we can't protect it? <laughs> what good is all this freedom if you can't protect your freedom? So that means, that lets me know right there, even though there is not a threat, that doesn't mean I don't prepare every day for a threat. Come on. Just because I got money doesn't mean I can't prepare. Just because the relationship is good, you have to continually invest in yourself and in the work of God and in the people of God so that we'll be ready when it does happen. It's no time to get a prayer life once the attack hits. You better already have a prayer life. Ain't time to get that. Look, 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 look. When everything, when, when, when you find a bad doctor's report and they say they got cancer, that's not the time to get consecrated. You need to have been consecrated already. So when the report hits, you can walk right into the room and say, in the name of Jesus, the same God I've been talking to for the last 300 days is the same God I'm going to talk today to, and God is going to release the power. We got to be ready. I said, I got to be ready. We cannot make the mistake of being reactionary soldiers. We, can, we can't make the mistake of not being ready. We don't have, look, look, look. When, once, once they start shooting at us, it's not time to make bullets. Bullets already got to be made, y'all. <laughs> oh, you hearing me, church? It ain't, oh, I got to go make some bullets. It's, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're already dead. If you got to make the gun, you're already dead. We build fences around our houses. We put double locks on our doors. We put security on our windows. We put cameras on our front door to protect us. Even though we live in a good neighborhood, we still do it because we don't know where the enemy's going to come from. We don't know. We got something to protect. Look at your neighbors. I got something to protect. 
got something to protect. Right now, you can go on your phone and probably see your front door, can't you? You see somebody at your front door, you're going to hit a button, boop, boop, 911, please go, go to my house right now. Somebody's trying to break in. Security. Battle ready. God says, I need you to understand something. I appreciate, I endorse the grace message. I endorse the favor message. I endorse the prosperity message. But there's not enough people talking about the message of the enemy that's against your life. There's a real enemy that doesn't like you. The Bible makes it very clear in the Old Testament, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. That doesn't stop the, the weapon being formed. It's still going to be formed against you. Don't you understand? Okay, I don't want to get too, cookie, too spooky on y'all. But there, just like you believe there's a God, and just like you believe there's angels of the Lord, there's demons. There's demonic spirits. There's disembodied spirits that wander around looking for vessels and houses to take over and families to possess. Y'all, come on. Uh, this is Halloween, right? And if you notice, you got people now dressing up like them this week, amen. They have no issues at all putting on the darkness and representation of that spirit world. We just think it's cute that we give them candy and we do this, that, and the other. You know, Bishop, why don't we have a Halloween party at church? Because I don't believe in Halloween. Oh, it's so cute for the kids. I understand. My kids didn't, I didn't let my kids go trick-or-treating. They didn't go. Because I don't like what it represents. Oh, it's cute. They get dressed up. <laughs> That's an ungodly blind mindset. I have too much knowledge in this realm of the spirit. Sorry. I'd rather them cry than be possessed. I'm not looking for no uh, amen. I'm just telling you what I'm believing God for. I, I believe this thing. I believe the devil's real. <laughs> he thrives in darkness. Darkness is a word called for ignorance. For being blind, Satan blinds the minds of people. He makes you feel like it's no big deal. He 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 puts your he puts he puts he he makes you feel at ease when he's trying to take your life. Huh? Somebody say battle ready. Another story I'm gonna bring in as I wrap up for the day. Pearl Harbor was one of those stories that many of us have heard the story of Pearl Harbor when the Japanese was able to bomb Pearl Harbor. How did this happen? We're dealing with an inferior power coming against a superpower. Let me make this very clear to you, church. We are, the church is the superior power. We are mightier than the enemy. We have more power than Satan. That does not stop him for trying to attack us. The Bible says that only a third of the angels fell with Satan. That means there's still two-thirds of the angels in God's camp. There's more of us than it is of them. It doesn't stop them from coming for us, though. Pearl Harbor was an amazing, beautiful place. It was over there in, over there in Hawaii, the, 
environment is beautiful. Every day is sunshine. It's paradise. They put major naval bases there, battleships and, and airplanes and a fleet of this and a fleet of that to protect the backside or the flank of the United States. They had, they had, I did a study on it. They had the radio broadcast going out. They would tap into what Japan was doing and tap into other nations and make sure nothing was going on. And for almost 20 years, there was no threat, evident, evident threat. And for this one time, the enemy shifted his strategy and began to be stealth in what he was doing and sent distractions and deflections and different signals and deceptions so they would not be able to trace their approach. All of a sudden, you have a whole fleet of Japanese boats coming in their direction in some kind of way. They were able to change how they were approached so they wasn't detected. They had, the, the, the story says that from the east and from the west, amen, they covered all ways, but the one place they were short in was the north. The northern part, they did not have the same reconnaissance and the same, amen, uh, radar and everything that would pick up. The, for some reason, they felt safe. Hear me, church preach. They felt, they felt safe in the northern part. There's always a place that we think we can't get hit from. There's always a place that you think that you have been delivered of. There's always something you think that you're not susceptible to. Oh, I ain't my problem. That's not my problem. My problem is this and this and this. I ain't got no problem with this. And that area that you become arrogant in is the area that he's coming for you in. Because you're so good. You're so ready. You're ready for the lust. You're ready for this. You're ready for that. But this you weren't ready for. Some of us, you know, parents in the house, you know, you can come at me. I'm cool. I can take it. You can mess, you know, you can do this, you can do that. But, boys, some of y'all didn't know what was in you until somebody came for one of your children. So you was good. You was good holding your peace when they were coming for you. But you found out once somebody came for your child, there was another side of you that came out. You didn't even know about yourself. Oh, y'all quiet in here because you know what I'm telling the truth. Boy, that gangster rose up inside of you. Who, who hit my child? Let's, we going to school. You don't even want to talk to the teacher. You don't even want to talk to the principal. You going for the child. You ready to fight a child. They only 10 years old. I don't care. They shouldn't have touched my child. You got to calm down. Got to calm down. Nuh-uh. Mm -mm. Ain't nobody touching my child. You done lost all your Holy Ghost, your deepness, all the tongues is gone, everything. You ready to fight a 10-year-old. You done put Vaseline on. You done took all your earrings off. You ready to fight a child. What am I saying to you is that the enemy is going to use our arrogance to attack us in this next season. The thing that we say we good, that's not going to touch us, that we got this, I'm not going to be bothered by this, he coming from the north. The Bible, the, the story says in the, the thing, he says, while they were sleeping, the bombers were released from the air. I mean, we're talking about an aircraft carrier. We're talking about a boat big, bigger than a football field, a couple football fields. This thing was able to sneak in close enough to Pearl Harbor, undetected, to bomb an island. They woke up on fire. 
They bombed all the fields where, now check this out, Pearl Harbor had the most powerful warships in the world. They had the most powerful planes in the world. They had the artillery of the world. They had the best equipment in the world. But if you are not ready, it doesn't matter how powerful you are. All them ships got blown up right there in port. All them planes got destroyed right there on the field. Half of them, more than half, only a couple of them got off the field. Hundreds of planes got destroyed all in a couple hours. Boats sunk with soldiers still inside of them, not able to fight because they were not battle ready. They convinced themselves that they were so strong that nobody would dare attack them. We got to be careful in this season not to allow the arrogance of flesh to convince you that you are spiritually ready for something that you really are not. I prayed. I believe God. I'm standing on the word of faith. But you're not ready. I consecrated for 20 years, but you're not consecrating now. (laughs) I used to pray two hours a day, but you ain't praying two hours a day now. Hello, somebody. We're entertaining stuff we normally wouldn't entertain. We got gray areas in our lives that, 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 that we slid over in some areas that we used to not even consider. We got to make sure, church, from the pulpit to the back door, that we are battle ready. Bishop, do you see something coming? No, I don't see nothing coming. But God says, be re- I, want you in the, I want you in the mode of being ready until I come back. So, why do we always got to have something coming before we get ready? Why are we going to hear of danger before we get ourselves together? God said there's always imminent danger as long as you got Satan in the earth going around to and fro seeking who may, may, may devour. We as the church must be ready. We got souls coming in here. We got souls coming in here broken and sinful and, and overwhelmed by Satan's devices. And we can't be getting ready while we got to free them. We got to be ready so we can free them. Church can't be a place where we need to get delivered. Church is a place that the church comes delivered so we can help other folks get delivered when they come to church. If all the leaders and all of the people and all the saints come to church Sunday after Sunday to get their fix and get their freedom, then who in the world are you going to have time to free with your anointing? All right, everybody come to the audience wants to get saved, wants to get delivered, the whole church comes. Wait a minute, y'all got saved last week. Y'all got saved the week before that. You remember the back in the day when you got saved every Sunday? <laughs> every time you got convicted, you came back to the altar. I said, there should come a time when you have given your life at a level where you don't have to keep repeating because you don't have the confidence or the identity of who you are. Come on, church. The planes hit. Destroyed. It was the worst defeat ever on American soil. How did it happen? They're still to this day trying to figure out how did it happen. How many times have I've, I've been there? I've been in a place in my life where I fell, and I look back and say, like, "How did this happen? How, how did? How did? I, as much as I know about God." As much as I know about his word, as much as I know about his spirit, as many people that I've ministered to, as many people that I've broken the yokes off of, how did this happen? Can we just be transparent? How did this happen to me? And God says, because 
you weren't ready. See, the thing about being a minister is we're ready for the attack on other people. We're not always ready for the attack on ourselves. We're ready to fight for other people. We're trained to fight for other people. But many times we're not fighting. We're not ready for the fight for ourselves because we convince ourselves as long as I'm fighting for other people, I'm protected. That's not true. I'm, I'm, I'm exempt because I'm here serving you. No, that's not true. How did it happen? How did I fall while I was serving everybody else? Because I forgot that I have to keep praying, not for a message, but I got to pray for myself. Come on, church. I can't fast because the whole church is fasting. Sometimes I got to fast for myself. Amen. I, got, I can't consecrate, amen, just when you tell me to consecrate. Sometimes I got to consecrate for myself. So I keep building my faith up, building my strength up, building my endurance up. It's not based on anybody else. This is building me up because I understand I'm susceptible to fall just like anybody else. I got to be battle ready. People, come on, girl, let's go out this weekend. No, no, I'm staying in. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. What's going on? Something wrong? No, nah, ain't nothing wrong. What's going on? You going through something? No, nah, I ain't going through nothing. I'm just going to be make sure I'm ready. Come on, man, let's go. Let's, let's go to the game. No, nah, I'm not going to the game tonight. I'm not watching on TV this week. I'm just going to make sure that I keep this, I keep ready. Most of us are used to the organizational consecrations and the organizational fast, but the truth of the matter is all of us are living at different stages of our lives all of us are in different places right now. All of us are dealing with different challenges. And the truth of the matter is, even though I might corporately give you something, it may help you, but it's not going to be enough for you to keep yourself battle ready. Right now, many of you are insulating. I mean, we're entering into a recession. Being in the financial service business, I'm learning now, a lot of the banks are pulling back on lending. They're pulling back. They're changing things. They're becoming harder to deal with because they're bracing for a possible financial storm. They have the memory of 07 and 08 and what happened and went through and a lot of people lost their shirts and now you'll find out that many people, many of these banks and institutions are pulling back because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're scared right now. They don't know what to expect. So what happens when people don't know what to expect, they get scared and they pull back. <laughs> God said, I don't want you to get scared. I want you to press forward, but I want you to understand that the enemy is imminent. And he's, not, he's, he's there waiting for you to become lax so he can find a way in. Hmm. God told me to say, I need you to check, I need you to check your north, south, east, and west. I need you, to, I need you, did you hear what I said? I need you to check. I understand you're confident everything's good. Look, 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 look. Can, can we go a little deeper? I need you to check, 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 check your relationships. Oh, me and, me, me and Joe, we good. Me and Joe, good. I don't know. You might not be as good as you think if you check. Because, see, we in our routines. We get up and go to work. We do this and the other. You know, everybody knows what us. That don't mean you're good just because everybody keeping their routine. That don't mean you're good. You don't know what the enemy's knocking at. You don't know what door he on. He on some door. You just don't know which one it is. God told me, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I know I am. Amen. You know, before I go to bed, I check the house. If you're a real man, you check your house before you go to bed. Can you imagine me sending my wife down to check the house? Baby, go on and check the house. Make sure I'm in the bed. Go on and check the house. Go on and check the house, baby. Baby, go on and check the house. 
I mean, if there was something at the door when I checked it, I'm expecting my wife to deal with it. Why do you check the house? Because just in case one of the kids left the door unlocked, just in case the window was left open, just in case there's a breach somewhere, you check your own house before you relax. Just to make sure, boop, 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 make sure the alarm is on. Boop, 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 doop, 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 doop. All right, I can go to bed now. Naturally, we do it. Every night, we make sure our borders are clear and that we're safe. We don't stop there, do we? And, say, and then raising seven kids, you know, Sybil was, I mean, Sybil and I, I mean, at a different time, the Holy Spirit would check on us. And I would, see, get, I would see Sybil get up in the middle of the night, and I'd be like, baby, where'd you go? I just went and checked on the kids. They're supposed to be asleep. And sometimes she'd walk up in there, and one of them is somewhere else. You know, one of them is downstairs. And then, what you, what you, what you in the kitchen floor? I was thirsty. I want to talk to the wing. And the Holy Spirit, as parents, let us know something's going on in your house. And you would walk you right out your sleep. Because there ain't no radar system like the Holy Ghost. And I'm trying to tell you right now, some of y'all systems is going off and you need to stop rolling back over and going to sleep and get your tail up and get on your knees and pray instead of rolling over and saying it's going to be all right. God quickens you to warn you so you can secure your borders so the enemy won't be able to come right in and kill, steal, and destroy. You got to check your house. Stop worrying about everybody else's house. Don't make no sense the way they living over there. You better check your own house. You ain't got time to be worrying about nobody else's house. Stay out of their business. Why, why I have to get into that right now? Stay out of folks' business. Because their, their situation is causing you to look in a place that's now causing your back to be exposed. Are you hearing me in the house? You worrying about their life is making your back turn and leaving you exposed. You trying to save their family, you better make sure you save yours. Hello. Oh, Jesus. It's interesting, long time ago, long time ago, and not in the church. Had to make sure it's clear, because everybody wants to connect dots. This woman kept complaining about her husband. He ain't doing this. He ain't doing that. Kept complaining about her husband to this other woman who didn't have a husband. Next thing you know, I looked up. The woman that was hearing all the complaining married the woman's husband. I said, good God of mercy. The woman got, the man got tired of an ungrateful woman left her and married the one that was has simp- that, that understood. It's interesting. You got to be careful what you complain about. Because what you complain about is somebody else's treasure. You better make sure you protect your borders. Whoever I'm talking to. Protect your borders. See what God has already given you. Because the enemy has a way of getting us to be discontented about stuff 
Because the thing we're discontented about is the thing he wants to steal from us. Oh, this car, all oh, this job. I mean, some of y'all loved that job when you started. You thank God for that job when you started. Now you're five years in and you're complaining every day going to it. You better find some contentment or you're going to find a t- you're gonna be on a temp schedule trying to get an assignment for your next job. I'm talking prophetically now. I'm in your business now. There's some things you're complaining about that the enemy is going to steal from you because you don't see the value in what God has blessed you with, and you're going to lose it. Stop complaining about the blessing and be grateful for what God has given you because it was a blessing when he gave it to you. Oh, it's quiet. I lost half of y'all now, but it's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching. It was a blessing when you got it. And now that it's causing you some challenge, now you want to recategorize it into a, a burden. It's not a burden. It's not a burden. It's still providing what you needed. It's just now you're not content anymore. Ooh, that's enough. You'll be all right. What am I saying as I wrap this up for the day? We got to be battle ready. We have to be in preparation, hear me, church, to use excessive force. We have, we, we cannot, we have to be at DEFCON 4 at all times. We got to be at full alert at all times. There is never a day that we, I'm not saying, go on vacation, that's fine. Enjoy your moments. Enjoy life. Fine. Buy your new cars. Buy your new, that's all fine. But understand spiritually, there's an enemy that desires to sift you as we. Do you understand that? He wants to cut you in pieces. And some of you think, well, I'm not going to bother the enemy. I'm, not gonna, I'm just minding my own business. He don't care you mind your own business. He's still going to try to take you out. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Those who are responsible for other lives, children, spouses, family members, you must understand that some of you are the only line between the enemy and wiping out your whole seed. If it wasn't for your prayers and your consecration and you standing in righteousness, many of the people that are connected to you would have been cut off because they don't have no relationship with God at all. And it's you that you are the one thing. The devil's like, if I can just get rid of her. I can wipe out her kids. I can wipe out her family. I can wipe out everybody. You're the one person that's keeping everybody else alive. And that's why the heat's coming for you. And here's the thing you don't realize. You don't know what's in your loins. And you don't know what you are born. And you don't understand that two or three generations from now, somebody God is going to use and raise up. And the enemy is trying to cut you off now before you can get to that person. It's almost like a Terminator kind of thing. You know how they wanted to go back and kill the woman before she born the person that was going to destroy? You know, the enemy wants to destroy you before you birth the seed that's going to destroy him. Think about it. When they heard the testimony of Jesus being born, amen, they sent the devil, sent out Herod, and he sent out other people trying to kill a baby because of his potential. The enemy don't wait till you get full grown when he comes for you. He wants to kill you in baby form because he knows if you ever recognize who you are, you are able to overtake him in every situation. 
And so God said, we're not just protecting ourselves, we're protecting our future. We as a church, we have to make sure that we are battle ready. Because let's be honest, y'all, we got everything coming in this church in the next 20 years. I mean everything. I mean, we got, I'm just going to leave it at that. We're going to have everything coming up in here. We're going to have that. Look, can y'all read between the lines? We're going to have everything coming up in here. And we, we're going to be like, can you identify what you are? Can you tell us what, what bathroom do you want to use today? And we still got to minister to these people because they still got a soul. They may have marred their flesh, but they still got a soul. They, they may have cut stuff off themselves, but they still got a soul. And our assignment is not based on what we like and don't like. We can't pick and choose who we lead to Christ. We can't be judges and juries and be judging folks because they come in with the tats and the earrings and they come in with the gender changes and all this stuff. Amen. We might not personally like it, but our feelings have nothing to do with our assignment. They still have a right to know Jesus. They still have a right to be born again. They still have a right to have a new, be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And we, the church, got to be ready for them devils they're going to bring with them. Because if we don't win them, it's just a matter of time that they win us. I want y'all to be clear about this. If we don't win them, it's just a matter of time they win us. Okay. I said it. If we don't win them, it's just a matter of time that they win us. Well, I just want to get along with everybody. I'm going to be honest with you straight up. I ain't getting along with everybody. I'm not supposed to get along with everybody. Jesus didn't get along with everybody. I'm not going to get along with everybody. I'm not going to say what's politically correct just so everybody can feel good about their sin. <laughs> Amen. This is not a political church. Amen, somebody. Ain't no Democrat coming up in this pulpit. Ain't no Republican coming in this pulpit. Only Jesus Christ is in this pulpit. So, you know, I might have personal opinions about certain politics and this and the other, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm not going to preach politics over this pulpit. Why don't you remember? What's the Bible say? What did Jesus say when he was tempted? He reverted back to the Bible. When people ask you stuff about your opinion, take them to the Bible. Stop worrying about your opinion. Well, if it was me, just because you had a personal trauma and you had an abortion when you was young and you got raped and everything, that, I understand the position that you take and why, is, why, you, why you feel it's acceptable to have an abortion. But if you get into the word of God, there is no exception. I understand your personal trauma will, will affect your decision and your, and your situation. I understand that. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying based on the word, there's some things that are not optional. I'm not allowed to take a life. I don't know some folks again. Based on the word of God, my opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. It's the word that we stand on. And if we're going to beat the devil in this last season, we have to stand on the word of God and on the word of God only, not the opinion of man. And just because a whole group of y'all get together and y'all agree on the same opinion, it doesn't change the word of God. I don't think that's right. Okay, well... Tell me why you don't think it's right. I don't know. I just don't think it's right. Your feeling doesn't change scripture. Your emotions doesn't change truth, church. We got to be battle ready. 
And the only way Jesus was able to resist the devil was through the word of God. Study the short self-approval. Workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We got to become lovers of the word and not lovers of religion. We got to be lovers of his word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, David said. I might not. Even though you got the word, you still got to make a decision not to sin. My time is up. To be battle ready means that we have to, the armies, they do drills. They do drills. They send the boats out as if there was a challenge to go see. They go, they send, they send the planes out over. They burn all that fuel and all that manpower with no sign of threat, but they still go. You're going to pray and you're going to fast with no sign of threat so that you can be ready in case something happens. You don't have to catch up. You're already here. Thanks for tuning in to another week of PHM Experience, a podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries Incorporated, located in Smyrna, Delaware, where Bishop Dwayne L. Bull and Pastor Sybil Bull are our senior pastors. Tune back in for another empowering sermon, class, or midweek service experience that we know is going to bless your life. As always, come with the experience.